Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of women entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We think it's important for us to be here with tips, love, and stories of hope for all of our spirited food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And uh, Sarah Masoni is not in the studio with us today, but she will be back next week. So Sarah, uh, sending you the best and I hope you're back soon. And uh, I'll just get us started with our wonderful guests that we have today. It's not our typical maker. Every once in a while, we like to mix things up and add some women in business that help female food entrepreneurs and friends. So we're joined in the studio by Judy Ann Wu today. Judy Ann is a marketing, PR, and culinary consultant and host of her own podcast called Food People Are the Best People. Welcome, Judy Ann. Thank you. So happy to be here. It's good to have you. It's very funny because I was a guest on your podcast this week and now you're a guest on ours. <laughs> I know. You know what? I can never get enough Sarah in my life. So it's, it's a bonus treat. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad you're not sick of me yet. <laughs> never. Never sick of you. Never sick of, sick of your hot sauces. You add spice to my life. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, we want our listeners to be able to connect with you. So let's give them a good way to find you on social media. Well, they can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, J-U-D-I-A-A-N-N, Judy Ann. I'm like Cher Madonna. I like to think of the <laughs> one, one more, one name person. So find me, Judy Ann. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and all the other places. But um, I primarily, I'm a very visual person. So I like Instagram um, because I want to show people what's amazing and then afterwards tell them about it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do such a wonderful job. So if people don't already find you on Instagram, they should definitely find you because you um, always inspire me to go experience new things out there in the food world and just in Oregon in general. So I kind of want to um, talk about your history of um, where you got to be where you are, but I think it's really important um, for people to know that you have you, to me, you're kind of this guide of all things wonderful to do here in the Pacific Northwest. Do you think of yourself that way? Well, I try to. I mean, Oregon is my, you know, my hometown. Portland is my hometown, but I I have lived other places. But what it did was when I moved back to Oregon after I had kids, it made me appreciate and understand just how amazing this place is compared to the rest of the world, right? So when it comes to like food cities, because I am a food person, like I can say it is on par to like all the legendary food cities that we think of, like New York City and Tokyo and Paris. Like there's 
just as it's just different what we have to offer, but it is a wonderful destination either to live or to visit if you are a food person or a beverage it, person. I think I think you're right, but I also think maybe we think that because we're Oregonians, <laughs> we're like true Oregonians. So there's like this passion behind it, you know? And so I think that you always do a great job of creating a draw, I think, to experience all these wonderful things in Oregon. I think um, just this month, I've seen you go to Pendleton and McMinnville and where else have you gone? The beach. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing about Oregon is there's so much to do. So it's not just Portland. And part of the reason why Portland is the amazing food city that it is, is because of the amazing agriculture, all the things that grow and thrive and can be harvested here in the state and all the different makers and the producers and farmers and people who are doing amazing things with those. And it's still small enough where I tell people, you know, it's you can go to the winery and you'll be sitting right next to the winemaker. He's usually the one in the muddy boots. Um, you can go to the restaurant and the farmer who's bringing the produce is like sitting there having lunch. It's still very much a connection to the ingredients. And so it feels, I mean, it feels, it's not so big, you know, it's not yeah. so big that you can't do it all. And then, you know, I did work for the state of Oregon and promoting the state of Oregon. So I got the opportunity to travel quite extensively around the state. And it's so vast and it's so different. I mean, the Eastern Oregon's way different from Southern Oregon and the coast and the mountains. We have all the different um, climate zones and, you know, growing zones, and, which makes it all the more fun because you can be in one state and still see and experience so many different things. And, you know, I feel like so many people live here or they visit and they only see like a fraction of it. So yeah. I can't help myself. I've always been a, a sharer. When I find something that I think is cool that I think maybe other people would want to know about, I can't help myself but want to tell them about it and not tell them like, you must do this, but like, I think you would like it. Yeah. So here, I like it. And I, because I know that the things you like, you might like it too, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's really fun. You do, you do a good job because it doesn't seem like you're, um, you know, it seems like you want people to go there to experience the same joy that you're experiencing, which is really nice. <laughs> do, it, do it for their own lens. I mean, and I, I often travel through the lens of food and drink, right? But, um, but also, I have a family, so I'm always looking for fun things to do with your family, or, you know, like those kind of hidden gems because nobody wants to be like a tourist, right? Sure. <laughs> you want to be a traveler, you don't want to be a tourist, so you want any. A lot of those things, the kind of the most common things are things you can find online just doing a Google search of what to do and see in the area. But it's those kind of little off the beaten path things that are kind of the quirky little things that are really the stuff where will form a special memory. And, you know, you're both you and I were both moms. And I feel like one of my jobs as a mom is is to pack their memories with as many experiences as possible. So, yeah. I say when I'm long gone, dead, whatever, I want them to have a lifetime of fun memories of, you know, things that they saw and did. And maybe it was as a family, but, you know, they they can't do it on their own. So my job is to present these experiences, but let them create their own memories. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to do it. And I think especially, you know, during the last year and a half, it's been, you know, as a parent, we're like the only thing that our children has. And so we can like keep their lives stressful or we can make their lives joyful. And so I think that like, you know, I do a lot of 
running around with my daughter, just kind of trying anything. Like a lot of things that I would never have pictured myself doing, you know, I became this sort of outdoor adventure person in the last couple of years, which is totally not my history or my bag, but, but it's like (laughs) what we could do together. So we like got snowshoes and we got fishing poles and, and like, I don't even know what I would do if we actually caught a fish because <laughs> we her and I are super resourceful. You, I mean, you figure it out. Oh, but I was like, oh, did we like throw it back? Like what? So we started just fishing without even putting a hook on the end. We just put like a little weight because she just really, I mean, she's seven, you know, she just liked casting the line, but it was like something that I never thought that I would you know, that I would be doing, but then here I am out out at the lake fishing with her. But it was like, because I wanted her to have good interactive, like memories of being outside. And because it was like, if she's missing out on, you know, this school social time, what else can I give her? You know? So that became it. We became adventure buddies. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they call it fishing, not catching. It doesn't matter what you catch. You're just fishing. I hope we never catch anything. <laughs> it's all about ex- enjoying the uh, outdoors. So it's just an yeah. excuse to sit out and, you know, all the think of all the fun conversations you had, you know, as you're casting and sitting out there and enjoying the water, the sound of the, the you know, the waters. That, that's relaxing enough. That's memory enough. And I'm just yeah. saying, like, if you, ca- you catch something, suddenly then you have to talk about death. I know. You have to talk about dismemberment. And, you gotta and if we're going to eat it, like, it's just, I'd rather just we pack a sack lunch and we just like hang out by the water. It's relaxing. Never catch a thing. The fish aren't biting today. It's okay. (laughs) She never cares. I think it would freak her out if we did catch something, you know? Uh, Yes, I know. I know. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you're doing those kinds of things because, you know, so many children don't get that opportunity to um, go out in wilderness and experience those things. And I think it's great when people go out outside, outside of their comfort zone too. You know, I know yeah. a lot of people my, during the pandemic, I had a friend who went camping for the first time and it was a big deal. She was like really afraid to go camping. So she went with another friend who had camped before. And this is like totally like car camping. It's not oh, even sure. like wilderness, you know, there's, there's like a shower and all yeah. that. Yeah, everyone has their own comfort zones, but I was so proud of her that she knew that it would be valuable for her kid. Cause I have yet to meet a kid who doesn't like camping. I know kids love it. And see, that's the thing. So my husband, you know, is like this indoor, like video game guy. So he's not like an outside camping thing. So, so my, my family will go camping and we'll stay at whatever the closest like hotel or cabin is because he wants to have a bathroom and, you know, walls. And I think that's fine. We still get the camping experience, but it's really fine. You know, and people shouldn't feel like shame and that or anything. It's like, you do what's comfortable to you. And, you know, like I've done so much tent camping growing up that at this point now we have a camper, like we have like this 35 foot, like vintage Airstream type thing, you know? So it has like a flush toilet shower, has a refrigerator, (laughs) has like we're eating popsicles, you know? And I don't feel guilty at all because (laughs) and they still have fun and it makes it so much more enjoyable for me. Yeah. And therefore more relaxing because I'm not stressed out about like trying to pack all this stuff in and like dehydrated food and whatnot. It was like, what do you want? It's like, I want bacon. You got pancakes, you got waffles, whatever you want. I got it. I got it all. I got a pantry. I have a, you know, like a mobile pantry with me. 
I love that. I know your um, your camper looks really cool, and you even bring your pets along with you, don't you? Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's a family adventure, and our pets are our family. And it seems really kind of a shame to not bring them. They love it as much as well. I'm. I was honestly quite surprised that the cats loved it as much as they do, because you know, a dog obviously would love camping because they're in the outside, but um, our cats just love it. I mean, they. I mean, they, we open the, you know, the windows have screens, but they just hang out and other people walk by and they're meowing and we'll <laughs> open the door and they, they don't always want to go outside, but they'll hang, hang tent, like they'll hang their paws right at the doorstep and like watch the other people go by. And I think it's just exciting for them and yeah, quite limited. And for the kids, it's such a funny memory or such a fun memory really to have all their pets. We did travel. We have some fancy rats, rats, you know. They're like, they're like hamsters with tails, right? But we, took, we took them and I, afterwards I was like, you know, I don't know if they're getting out, they're getting the same experience because yeah. at home they got this three level condo, you know, they got all the space and stuff like that. And then when they go camping, they're in like a carrier. I was like, I don't think, so we've decided that we really leave the rats at home, but the, the dogs, rats will rats. stay home. And I think it's like, you know how people are really into building those catios for their cats. Your camper is just like a mobile version of that for your cats. Oh, I know. I saw <laughs> I saw somebody with a camper actually pulling a catio, like on a trailer. And I was like, that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, they are really into their cats. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's the thing, like this opportunity, I feel like the pandemic has allowed people to have that space to do these kind of outdoor things and maybe do th some things outside of their comfort zone and explore new ways because we kind of were forced to in many ways because all the traditional things, you know, you go to some sort of like adventure park or theme park or whatever are all closed. And so it was a great way for people to get out and do some low tech activities and just enjoy the wilderness, enjoy this family time. And as awful as it was in many regards, I mean, I looked at it as an opportunity to spend this quality time with my children that they would remember for the rest of their life. Like I tried to explain to them, I said, I'd never lived through a pandemic and I hopefully knock on wood never will again. So this is a very unusual thing. I mean, I showed, I showed them like black and white photos of the Spanish flu and whatever. I said, you're like this, people will be talking about the, the, you know, the coronavirus, like in a history books and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's all, it's so all new to us. And I think that it is a good thing to like embrace stuff that we wouldn't normally do. That's exciting because it, when I, I heard this one thing in the very beginning of the pandemic, and I was really glad I did, which was that, you know, we only have 18 summers with our children and that's it. And then, you know, they're going to want to live their own life and do their own thing. So we have 18 years to be in charge of it. So I was like, well, I'm not going to just let one and then two and then maybe three drop off. Like I want to still do fun, exciting things. And like, I, I do feel like it gave us the opportunity to do even more stuff that we wouldn't normally do outside, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was Idaho's, um, marketing campaign. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I heard it from them. <laughs> well, thank you, I Idaho. Thought it was brilliant because it's yeah. like this ticking time clock where you're like, I only got, I only got like six more summers left, you know, before yeah. they don't want to like hang out anymore and stuff like that. You can't do like these type of these types of family vacations where you have for the time until they leave for college or so you have the ability to create these memories. And what are you going to do with that time? You can say, Oh, we'll do it whenever, whenever you, you only have so many summer vacations. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm I'm glad that they did that because it worked for me. 
I think about that a lot. I think about how time flies and how you only have so much. There's like a window of opportunity too, because there's certain things that you must do during the early childhood years and then the middle ages, you know, and then the teenagers, and then they don't want to do any of that stuff with you anyway. Yeah. Um, You have to like fit it in at an age appropriate time where they are, where they're like ready for it and wanting to do those kinds of things. Yeah. You got to pick it right. (laughs) I've definitely done some things and been like, ooh, this would have been better next year. (laughs) Potty training or whatever. Yes, for sure. Well, I want to kind of educate people on what it is that you do for your business. So um, you're a marketing and brand strategy specialist. So let's like kind of define what that means for people. What do you do for other businesses? Yes. Well, my background is completely marketing and all levels of marketing. So brand marketing, you know, uh, social media, PR, everything that you see, touch and feel when it comes to a brand, right? So when I've worked for companies, I work for um, agencies and things like that. And now I work independently. And what I do is I often fill in for companies that either don't have an agency or don't have the internal experience on their own team from marketing, but um, maybe they don't have, they don't either need a full-time person or they can't afford a full-time person. So what I do is I come in and I think of it very much like it's my business. I, you know, once somebody is my client, I look at it as my business. What would I do if I wanted to grow? And I, you know, obviously I work with them. Like, what are your goals? Is your, are your goals to sell more stuff? Is it more brand awareness? Is it to grow your audience? organically, like whatever it is. And based on their goals, come up with certain strategies and work with them on implementing them to, you know, do, and most of them tend to be food and beverage brands because my background is mostly food and if not travel, but if travel, then mostly through food and travel, right? So it's all connected. All I, I say it's all the joyful things in life because I don't work with any clients that sell insurance or tires or anything like that. No. <laughs> it's all things that people get excited about. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> you want to eat this, you want to cook with this, you want to drink this, and then you want to go stay there and do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I that's kind of what I do, and I've been um, successful doing that for the most part. I don't um, I don't solicit my business at all. All my business comes word of mouth from people who have worked with me. Um, and it's very funny because some people only know me for food, and some people only know me for travel, or some people only they know you for a niche. Or think some people think I'm a publicist only, and I I always resent that because I'm like. I don't like PR people. <laughs> They're like, you are, aren't you a PR person? And I'm like, oh, I guess I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like if you're a used car salesman and you don't you don't want to be called a used car salesman because it always feels like somebody's trying to sell you something you don't want. Yeah. I'm like, well, my my job is to tell people or share things in a way that feels like I'm giving them something that's benefiting their life in some way, whether it's a client's product or services and stuff like that. Let's share it with an audience that wants to know about them, want to know and present it in a way that makes sense for them. And so I think being part of that audience to myself helps me to understand, like, how would I like it presented and how would I like it shared? And what do I need if I'm a consumer and I'm looking for, you know, condiments and like there's a jillion condiments in the condiment aisle? Like why what's going to make it stand out and why is it different and why do I want to like work with them and support them? And, you know, as a writer too, my background is as a writer is like to tell those stories, like what makes it interesting? Because you have to stand out, right? And so I think it's helped me because I've had that kind of experience to look at a client's business and make it interesting to consumers, but also media and editorial and all those kinds of things. Like what, it, what makes you stand out and why should I even care about your business? Like, why should I care? Cause there's so many other businesses. Right. And so to kind of 
um, unearth those little nuggets and present it obviously in the right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you do a great job with it. I was, um, you know, before we have guests, I always kind of do a little research. Most of the time I don't always know the guests, but of course I know you already, but here's the thing I was surprised by. And that's that I was expecting to find a website for you that would explain like what you did and who your clients were and what your fees were and things like that, but I didn't find one. And then I was thinking, you know, she probably just gets referrals and, and only, only handles and takes on accounts that she wants to. Is that how it works for you? Yeah. I have many websites built that are hidden because I just don't (laughs) want to put out there. And part of it is like, as soon as you put it on a website, people pigeonhole you into what you do. So, and I think the benefit of being in this kind of freelance culture and this consulting kind of this world is I, there's no limits. And so as people, all the, all my, I have plenty of work that comes just from referrals, but they usually come with me. They've already decided they, they want to work with me because they got a referral, right? They said, so-and-so has recommended that you're my person, right? So they already want to work with you. So at that point, it's just deciding like, what can I do based on what you want to do? And do I, am I the right person? And if I'm not the right person, I can usually find the right person for them. Um, But I also work with a lot of contractors and stuff like that if I bring them in as part of the team. But what it does is it doesn't limit me. And so if the project sounds really fun, I know what I can do and what I can't do. And I don't obviously don't take on anything that I can't do well. So what it does is it helps me um, select projects that I am excited to do, but also that I know that I can deliver results on and be excited about. So I love that. It is a little bit strategic, but it's, you know, there's always like, oh, do you have a website I can send my boss? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, if I got to explain why you got to work with me, <laughs> then it's like, I got to convince your boss that I'm the person. It's like, I'm probably not the right fit. So it's usually like, uh, let me just meet your boss. Let yeah. me just meet your boss and I'll tell you, I'll talk to your boss and figure out like if, and there, and it's always worked out to my benefit, but I strategically, I tell people, no, you should have a website, you should have a landing page, you list your services. I mean, this is all the stuff I recommend, but it's, it's definitely like, don't, I don't, don't follow my advice, but it has worked for me. <laughs> I think, well, when I was thinking about it, I was like, it does really make sense for you because it means that you can kind of do any projects. You can do anything that appeals to you. I've never seen you represent anyone that I felt like that seems like a weird fit. Like it's always like stuff that makes sense to you in your life that you're promoting. So I, I get it. <laughs> and I, I do say no. I say no to clients all the time because yeah. if I don't find an immediate like joy in it. I can't convey that joy to other people and it's, I just can't get excited about it. And so there has to be something either I like I mean, I have to really honestly believe in the product. And part of it is what they're paying for is not just the services. You can, you can find anybody to do like, um, to write copy, to, you know, pitch your stories and things like that. Is there, they're selling, um, part of what you're hiring me for is me. So my expertise, my contacts, my connections, my recommendation, because I don't recommend anything unless I believe in it. So as much as I'm putting that information out there, I'm also saying, this is amazing. I think it's great. And I think you should know about it. And I'm not going to tar my reputation, my professional culinary reputation by saying something is good unless I honestly think it's good, you know? Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk more about who some of your clients are. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace, 
With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. And we're back. <laughs> and uh, Judy, and tell us who some of the people you uh, currently represent or have represented in the past are so that people can look up at your work and see what you do. Yeah, well, currently I work with um, Straightaway Cocktails. They are a Portland-based um, small distillery and they make the most amazing bottled cocktail spritz. You know, these are spirit-based or wine-based and they're winning all these awards. And I started working with them in the very beginning, right when they first launched. And I was very skeptical because I was you know, involved in the cocktail culture and all that kind of stuff. And so it was like, um, well, let me come taste your cocktails first. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you get too excited about working together, let me just let me just taste what you got. And so, and I was really impressed. And you know, I know that um, they had worked with Oregon State University's uh, um, Food Innovation Center with Sarah actually yeah. and her team to make their cocktails really um, great. And I was so impressed with like their citrus in their cocktail specifically, because citrus, you know, as you know, can taste very flat, just even after a few hours, even happen, you know, you squeeze it even for restaurants, you squeeze it in the morning by the evening, it doesn't taste the same. Yeah. So these kind of qualities of having, I was impressed that they, their signature cocktail, which was uh, lemon based was able to capture that fresh citrus flavor. And so (laughs) just things like that. And so I work with them, they, you know, and they have, um, have marketing director and all that stuff. And so mostly now I consult on special projects and launches and things like that. Um, They really are one of my favorite companies that I, you know, I do whenever Sarah does anything with the food innovation center. I mean, I, I wish she was here to talk about her experience with straight away, but anytime that they do, um, you know, the bringing your product to market with all the new clients, like I always go check it out with Sarah and we walk around together and she kind of like shows off on all of the things that she's worked on, you know, and it's really fun. And straight away was one of my favorite new companies to meet because I really as well was so impressed by their line of drinks. And not only do they taste really good, but they're beautiful, like in the bottle. So sometimes when people do like a, like a beverage, you know, a package beverage, that's going to be in a grocery store. It's like the color doesn't matter because it's covered up a lot of the times, um, with all of their cocktails, you know, in, in my work in my world of sauce making, I have to constantly pay attention to the color and what it looks like. And I, and they do that with their line of beverages, which I think is really nice, but plus their packaging is beautiful and fun and um, vibrant. And so it's, I, I think they're a really fun company and I'm glad that you are working with them because they're so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And it's the fact that they take all that into consideration, you know, cause so many times, like if I have to convince them why packaging is important or why why they should be here or be at that event or why they should think to donate something or give back to their communities, you know, like they get it. So it's just very, so it's a quick, it's an easy way to work with them because they're like, they're like my people, they're my kind of people. So it's always like, I want to find a brand with products I believe in, but also as people owners of the brand that they, they get, they get it. And so there's this level of trust when I say, I say, I really think that you should do da 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 da, you know, that they, they take that. Um, I wouldn't recommend it unless I honestly believed it. And if I had to like explain it, all the different reasons why they should give back to the community or why they, they should do this or participate in this kind of thing, then it's too much work, but they, they immediately get it and they're good people and they're always striving to do more. And 
you know, it's been really fun watching them succeed and um, the, watching their products grow, the product line grow <laughs> and surprise. And I, and I love um, sharing their products with people who are like me, like totally skeptical, right? I want you to be skeptical, try it. And they're like really impressed. And so then, then you feel kind of special because you shared, you um, introduced them to something that they didn't know existed or didn't know that could be as good as it could be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's exciting to be able to do that, introduce people to new fun things. Yes. And so I also work with a new, one of my newest clients is a company. They make um, sambals from, they're a Singaporean base, they're based in Portland, but two two um, friends from Singapore who lived, um, who live in Portland, who worked for Nike and just miss Singaporean food like so much that they started these supper clubs. And then at these supper clubs, they started making these sambals to serve in their foods and everybody just loved it and kept wanting like to buy them or, you know, jar it up and stuff like that. And so during the pandemic, like when they couldn't have these supper clubs, they started jarring their sauces and their business is just taking off. And it's really, and again, it's really fun to introduce people to sambals, which is like not a made up thing. It's a traditional thing. And it's been around and loved all over the world, but maybe new to food audiences here in the United States in a jarred form, you know, maybe they had it at a restaurant or something like that. And to be able to incorporate it in ways that are not even like Asian, even, you know, like avocado toast, put it on your pizza. Like it's just an you know, you, we, you know how popular hot sauces and condiments are and things like that. And so it's just another way if you have enjoyed maybe sriracha on something, like here's another variation of that that you can enjoy. And it's been fun to introduce something like that to even, you know, hard diehard foodies who didn't know that something like that existed. Yeah. And we're going to have, um, I think Holly is going to come be on the show. I don't think they're both going to be able to make it, but we're going to hear more about their company soon because you introduced us to them. And, um, we talked about it a little bit when Sarah and I had just come back from tasting all of their food. And I think that's the really fun thing about, um, when, you know, somebody creates a product and there's part of them in it, because I feel like you can tell that they have this passion, obviously, and connection to Singapore and to their culture and they want to share it with everyone. And it's so beautiful and wonderful to have that in the Pacific Northwest. So they're bringing something that wouldn't normally be here and sharing it with all of us. And it's so fun and I love it. So I can't wait to have them on the show. Oh yeah. And they are, they are very much like embracing the fact that they live here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, they are trying they are trying as much as they can to source all their ingredients and they're working with local farmers to even grow things for them, you know, sourcing all that. And they're even the packaging and everything that they do, if they can make it, um, if they can give a little bit of work and business to some, somebody local, they can, because they recognize that, you know, this is a community and your product should represent the community that you live in. And I love that. Yeah, they are. They're again, very good people. And when they, when they first reached out to work with me, I was like, Oh, I'm too busy. I can't take your, I love your products, but I can't work with you. And she just, she was very persistent. Holly was very (laughs) persistent. She's like, you're the only one I want to, you know? So it's like, then you kind of like, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, because that's another thing is I want to work with people who always see the value of what I do. And so that I don't have to, like, I don't do a lot of reporting, which is kind of unusual for the work that I do. Cause you know, it's all about data and stats and what you can provide. And I always say, well, I'll give you all the information. If you want to track it, if you want to quantify the work that I do, absolutely go ahead and do it, but I'm not going to do it. Cause it's not the best use of my time. And I don't yeah. enjoy doing it. I mean, but it's you, if the, I think if you, 
you set those things up front. You say, this is what I have to, this is what I do. And if you need that data, um, it's more, it's available. It's just, I'm not going to do it, but they have been so fun to work with. And again, like super appreciative and just a really good story and a really good thing to share with people who love food and they try it and they're like, where has this been my whole life? And it's like, yeah, see, you know, stuff like that. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good feel good product for sure. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about kind of how you got into doing what you do because weren't weren't you originally a pastry chef? So you went from like pastry to PR. How did that transition take place? <laughs> well, I worked in marketing before. I worked in advertising and marketing, like right out of school. I studied English. So I thought I'd always work in advertising. I'd be like an ad copywriter, right? Like I loved advertising. And since I was a kid, I always studied like jingles and like marketing and I love packaging. So I always thought I'd work in advertising, but then when you work in advertising, you're like, it's not that fun. You know? <laughs> so I went to, I, I, I moved to New York. I was there, um, you know, and I started working and I, the whole time, everybody in around New York is there for their passion, right? You have, you're surrounded by actors and artists and people like everyone's there, like following their bliss. Even when they're like a, a working in a restaurant, you, you talk to them and you find out they, that they really, they're trying to make it in show business or something like that. So I felt like, well, what is my bliss? What am, what, what am I doing? You know? And so, and I kept, did, did a lot of soul searching and I thought food, food is my thing, you know? And I thought, well, but I didn't know anybody worked in food at that time. <laughs> Everyone I knew worked in fashion. So I thought, well, in order to work in food, you must go to culinary school. This was in my mind. You know, I thought if you want to be a doctor, you got to go to medical school. If you want to do anything, you have to go study the thing. So I went to culinary school, not knowing that you didn't have to go to culinary school, but I did. And I studied, um, I studied pastry arts, and then I loved it so much. I studied culinary arts and then I studied, then I took every single course um, that they offered and ended up, ended up working in the field as a pastry chef specifically because I knew well enough to know that if I worked on the savory side, I'd be working like the grand manger station, making salads for like 10 years before I got to make any menu decisions. Right. So I thought as a pastry chef, I know I can rise very quickly in the ranks, which is true. You know, I graduated top of my class, got a job, worked in all the, the fanciest restaurants in New York City, um, and then actually got recruited back to work at the French Culinary Institute, um, working in marketing, promoting pastry, the industry, because this was at the time where pastry chefs were like the hottest thing. They were like rock stars and like everybody wanted to be a chef. But then specifically, people would go to restaurants to have the desserts. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And even now, it's not like that at all. But there was a time period where it was like a very coveted thing like the who's your pastry chef so I did that and I loved it and then I when I worked at the French Culinary Institute as a one of the benefits as an employee is you could take classes you know and so I was like and they're expensive classes and I was like I took every, I, I was always taking a class I took weekend classes night classes so I did the I you know I think I got something like five hundred thousand dollars worth of culinary education when I was there during the six or seven years that I was there um, <laughs> that's great that is a great way to do it I um always take any classes that I can I mean I talk about it on the show all the time that I think when you become a food entrepreneur that you there's always things to learn but you're so isolated, like working by yourself. And so I try to take any class that comes up on the radar, especially if it doesn't, isn't super expensive. So if I had that kind of setup, I would also have done the same thing, but I've taken classes from you before because you, every once in a while, if people follow you, they'll see you post that you're doing a, you do, you've done all, all different kinds of classes, but I've specifically taken, um, some like Instagram classes, like how to, 
improve your feed or whatever. And I've done it a couple of times with you because I feel like every time I learn something new and it's so helpful and you do it in this way that doesn't make me feel like, oh, what are you doing? Because of course I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I've never done this before. And I'm just like one person trying to be like, hey, I make these things. Maybe you should check them out. <laughs> well, and I do those purely like uh, not for money, right? I was just, I was always donate the proceeds, but I do that from a perspective of, I know a lot of these businesses is just like the owner is managing their Instagram account and, you know, they might be making an amazing product, but suddenly they have to become uh, photographers and promoters and all those kinds of stuff and storytellers. And it's hard. It's hard. There's there's people who are like, this is what they do, but realistically they got to do it themselves. And I know that they can just about everybody can improve what they're doing. And maybe it's just a little bit of guidance and, you know, in some point in time, they can get to a point where they have somebody else manage their account. But I feel like so many businesses benefit just from a little bit of improvement and guidance. And it's not, and not so intimidating because, you know, these days smartphones and the, all my pictures, are, I tell people you can, you don't need to buy a fancy camera. You don't need fancy lights, just know how to use your iPhone and also use the right, um, you know, use it for the platform of what it's for. So if it's on Instagram, then we're taking photos specifically to be seen tiny, tiny on your phone. And you know, what, what pops on that feed of Instagram photos and stuff like that, and what's compelling and what's, you know, what do you want to do to showcase your business? And it's been really joyful to teach that kind of thing because the classes that I often um, teach are for um, small businesses, food entrepreneurs, people like that, because they're also the most grateful, right? Because they're not like trying to become Instagram famous or anything like that. They're not influencers. They just want to sell their product and show what they do, you know? Yeah, I just want to make, I don't even, I just want to make things not look bad. Like I want to be able to like (laughs) tell my story in a way that people aren't going to look at it and be like, what? (laughs) And that's what I want people to do is I, I don't want their photos to be a disservice to what they actually are. Like in person, they're super beautiful or the packaging's really lovely or the food that they make is so delicious but you know a bad photo can make your food not look good at all you know yeah, <laughs> totally it has nothing to do with the quality of what it was it was just maybe poor lighting you know yeah. but like, if you're not looking at it or thinking about it in that way it could be actually doing a disservice to your business and so um you know anything i can do but i feel like there is a lot that people can do to improve their visual representation of their brand without a whole lot of effort, without a whole lot of skill, just kind of little tricks and tips. (laughs) Well, I always appreciate any of those things that you offer. But the other thing about it is that you just do a really good job of planning events. So if you ever are doing anything, like I know that I'm going to show up, be greeted very warmly, probably from you. And, um, you know, you're, I'm going to have a drink at some point in time in my hand. You're going to give me some kind of compliment. Like, I feel like, and, and, you know, sometimes, so especially going back into events after not being at any of them, it can be, it can cause a little bit of anxiety, you know? So even like the last time that I went to um, something that you hosted and Sarah Masoni was waiting in the car and I was like, oh no, you don't have to be nervous. Like, come on, we're going to go in and we're going to be greeted and swept off our feet. And she was like, what? (laughs) Haven't you ever been to one of Judy Ann's events before? She's like, no. I'm like, this is going to be so easy for us. All we have to do is have fun and that's it. Nothing else. It's not going to be awkward. It's not going to be weird. It's going to be wonderful. And it was, and it's just the way that you do things. And it's so great. 
Well, I feel like that comes from what the hospitality spirit of hospitality. We are all food people and we know how to welcome people to our homes. Come on in. Can I offer you a cup of coffee? You know, let me take that bag from you. Have a seat. Oh, you look beautiful. You know, did you change your hair? You know, this is this is what we do. We make people feel comfortable. Then we say, did you eat? You stay for dinner, right? You're going to stay for dinner. Here, 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 take these muffins home to your kids. You know, this is what we do as people. And so I think of that in the same way when we host events, whether it's a work event or you're coming to my house is you know, we, we want people to feel comfortable. And also there's no pressure. It's, I mean, sure. It might be work because that we're planning this work thing, but at the end of the day is my goal is to have people have fun and have a happy memory, make some friends connect because it's not just about like why they're there, but it's also the people who are there too. I want them to like meet some new people, maybe make another business connection, maybe make an introduction that's beneficial to them in some way, their own way. So it's not like you're doing me a favor by coming to this event that I organized, but also I want to give you something back. Like, Oh, did you know that this person takes pictures and maybe you need it? I heard you might need a photographer or this, here's a stylist here. You should talk because you both have vacation homes in the same place, you know, just things like that, trying to find connections and introductions because business is all about people, right? It's all about relationships and people choose who they work with, who they buy from, who they sell for, who they promote based on the people too. Cause you're not going to promote something that some person, cause they're a jerk, even if they have a great product. So you have to be nice, but it has to be authentic. And, you know, <laughs> and then you're going to choose the, pe- you know, you're going to continue to work with and support the people who you like. Yeah. And so I think about that all the time. I think of the, about the relationships that I had that I formed, you know, 25 years ago in New York city, and I'm still friends with, and it comes from an honest place because I was able to connect with this person in a real way. And even though I only see them like every 10 years or so like that, but we are food people. We like the same things. We want the same things. And so if I say, oh, this is really cool. You should check it out. Like it comes from a level of trust and understanding and, you know, having been there and seen that and why I don't want to bother anyone, you know, tell them things that they don't need to know about. But yeah, I imagine it's the same way. I've been to, I've been to your kitchen and you're the same <laughs> way. You're like, come on in. I know. You, you always have snacks out there for people. And you said, gotta have snacks. snacks. <laughs> you come home with something too, you know, little surprises, you know, and that's, yeah. it's just, it's, that's the thing about throwing events. Work events are just the same as social events and they should be treated the same way. Like you should think about them as, you know, inviting somebody over and making them feel comfortable and welcome and, you know, should be fun, but they also should learn something new and get something out of it. You know, it is, yeah. time. I value people's time. Whenever anybody comes to my event, I'm always so grateful, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so people invite me to their events. I will feel like I have to, I want to reciprocate and show up and like do a good job. I always <laughs> said as a guest, right. As a guest, you have to do a good job. Like it's like being going to a wedding. If you go to a wedding, your job is to dance, even though they don't want to, your job is to <laughs> dance and to look nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on all the pictures. Yeah. Same That's thing. it. You go, to, you go to media events, you go to work events, you know, PR events and stuff like that. Everybody has a job too. If I'm invited as a guest, my job is to ask questions, be interested, find a way that I can connect the dots. Maybe, ooh, I can share this with somebody or I can see how this would be interesting. Like I'm an active guest. I'm not just there to eat the free food, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always, sometimes I'm like, if I get invited to something, I'm like, I hope that they don't, you know, cause I feel like I'm not that good at social media stuff. So I'm like, well, I know Judy and can't want me there to like 
post a thousand pictures because I'm not that good at that. Like, so what, what am I here? What am I here to do? I'm here to talk to people and make connections with them. And, you know, and so maybe that's it because it's like, she doesn't want my hundreds it. of my pictures. <laughs> You're invited for a reason, Sarah. And it's because you have lots of good information and wise words because you've been there and done that. Perfect. And nothing else I want you there just to make them feel better that you did it. If you did it, they can do it too. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Then I'm I'm there anytime. <laughs> Entrepreneurs is they just need to know that other people have been there in their shoes and that it's scary. And everybody started somewhere, right? A product in their kitchen, not knowing if anyone's gonna buy it, not knowing like where to sell it, where to how to price it, da da da. And but just seeing other people success stories and seeing other women succeed and grow their business, that's very empowering. You know, when I see other people's successes, like it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel like, well, if they could do it, I could do it too, you know? Yeah, totally. And I do, I mean, that's kind of why Sarah and I have, you know, started this podcast in the first place is because it was like, we had all this information for people that would be useful. And a lot of that comes from making mistakes or having thoughts of like, what am I doing? Can I even do this? You know? And so what people need really is like connection and encouragement and just someone to say, Hey, you can do this. And like, here's some things to avoid. Here's some things to maybe think about. Here's this person that might be great for you to work with. And that's like how I've spent the last few years, you know, within the maker community. And it does a lot of things for me personally, it helps me to feel really connected to people. So it's not like, um, you know, feeling distant from anyone. Like I feel super connected to the, to the food makers in this, in this city. And I think that that helps, um, you know, it helps them too to feel right away, just like, Hey, come be part of this world. And like, if you, if you have any questions, like send me a message and people really will, you know, and I think that it's nice because I didn't really have that, you know, they love you. They love you in the maker community. And it's because you give and give and give, and, you know, and you're so, um, open with uh, your resources and your advice and things like that. It's like, it's not competition, right? It's this community of people supporting each other. And, you know, I always think of like, I want to be part of people's journey. If I can be like, I want to be part of their story, not like, Oh, I, I asked that person a question and they never answered me back. Or, um, you know, I can't talk to them because they do the same thing I do. Like, I would rather have it be like, I, um, encouraged them when they thought that they were failing or I helped them when they were um, being bullied because sometimes that happens in the in the maker world. And so it's like, I want to be that person and part of like good things in their life instead of something else. So that's what I've really tried to take on. And, and I think that it makes it better for everybody, you know? I mean, it does. And it, it and there's this thing I called goodwill. Like you, you have to provide goodwill and goodwill will come your way. You won't call it karma, whatever, but part of, you know, like the services that I provide, like it's, it's weird when you talk about your services, it's like, I provide goodwill for you. And they're yeah. Like, yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> you know what? Because I make people fall in love with your brand and you as a person, because I see what's special about you. And I, and I try to get other people to see it and experience it through themselves too that goodwill because if they like the product and they like you they will other people customers businesses connections partners will go out of their way to make sure that that person is 
succeeding and provide and you know, opportunities will come and doors will open for them because of that goodwill that you've created and that kind of that that positive feeling put out in the universe, you know? And there's a lot of brands that just don't have it and they don't value it and they don't understand why no one no one calls them or why they don't get invited to participate in things is because you know, they don't, they don't, they themselves don't create that kind of uh, community and that sense of uh, openness and sharing and uplifting of others, you know? So, yeah, I love it. (laughs) It's my thing. Hey, I have a question that's not related to food for you because I know that you and your family have always have the best Halloween costumes ever. (laughs) And so I want to know if you already know what you're going to be for Halloween. You know, my kids have been talking about it because they know how much I love Halloween and they love Halloween too. And they love dressing up. They love costumes and, you know, and they're like, should we start thinking about Halloween already? Is it too early? And I'm like, it's not too early. I've I know. The Halloween candy in the grocery store. So it is Halloween season. So yeah, we always do. Um, we have a family costume. So we do a theme as a family. And then I let them all have their individual Halloween costumes for Halloween day. So like, you know, whatever they want to be, some sort of, usually some sort of theme thing that on their own, right? Because a family costume is like, and I, but it's hard because I have to rally and I have to get everyone excited about it. We've had a few years where it was like everyone, but one person was not excited about it. And you could tell in the family photo. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it was like the clunker outfit. Like everyone, yeah. said, well, everyone's on board except for one person's like not into it. So <laughs> And I always do for the family costume, I like to do a classic. So kind of we're most famous for the ones where like we actually do a portrait afterwards. So I we have to you have to do this. These are my tips for if you do a family costume, you have to do it way before Halloween because you, you you don't have time to like orchestrate the outfit and all that stuff. So you have to start thinking about it and kind of get it up all planned out early October. And then you have to plan a date, not Halloween, where you have your picture taken, whether somebody else takes it or you take it or whatever. Luckily, I have a, I live with a photographer and I, I said, you need to treat this like a job. Like you need to like <laughs> light it. You need to treat it like a job. That's what we, we, did, we did. We were the Victorian vampires a few years ago. And it was we, so good. We had our pets in it. We was like, and it was, and it was like, we didn't spend a lot of money or anything, but it just took a lot of curating of things. Right. And then yeah. finding the right look and whatever. And, and then it was like enough time where it was like not stressful. It was just a Saturday afternoon where everyone could get dressed up. We get in the mood, right. Get in the mood and everyone like practice your poses like, practice <laughs> poses, and get into the feeling, you know, Dracula, whatever. And so, and once they got into it, then we, we, we had, we had it all lit up and then we just shot a bunch of things and it was really fun. And we did this before we did star Wars too, right. When the star Wars movies were first coming out now, everyone does it. But, um, I've been, I I've been thinking that maybe I wanted to do, I, I need better costumes too. I need access to like professional level costumes. <laughs> I want, cause I wanted to do like, um, Marie Antoinette as ghosts, like everybody, like in those powdered wigs, but all ghostly white and like, you know, yeah. Like, like and I, I did before the Adams family movie came out, I wanted to do the Adams family and I was Morticia. We had Gomez, we had everybody. My son was like, not into it. Cause he didn't have a good <laughs> character. His character was not good. So it was like, that was the one where I tell you, it's like Morticia and Gomez and like, and Wednesday Adams, like, you know, and the, what is it? What is it? Wednesday, the girl, she looked great. Yeah. My son was like, not into it. <laughs> uh, I had werewolves. I want to do Bride of Frankenstein. Cause I want to do the hair. I oh Yeah. Anyway, I got I got way too many ideas and not enough Halloweens. 
and not well, enough kids. Cause I, gotta- I know I can't wait to see what you do this year, but that is a really good tip to do it to, to one, like let them have their own other Halloween costume. Cause I thought that that's just like everybody signed out. And I was like, how did you get them to do that? Like my daughter wants to do her own thing. Always. She wouldn't be interested in a family costume for school. Or something. <laughs> she will have her own costume. You could let her be whatever she wants. And it's for, for, I tell people that, you know, it is, Dressing up and fantasy is so important for children's imaginations. It should be for everyone. There's no there's no age limit for imagination. And when I lived in New York, it was so much fun because on the subway, you see these crazy costumes because all these theater people, right? You know, and they would like no one reserve. It was like here you maybe at the bank, you see somebody with a hat. You know, I was like, no, no, no. It's a full body costume, head to toe, you know, on, on the subway, on the subway. <laughs> the street, and like everybody at their day jobs, like lawyers, doctors, full costume right? They're committed to it. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of embarrassing because not everyone's committed to it, but you know, maybe you don't dress up all day, but like just do it for a a photo and document it. I always, always loved it when Martha Stewart, did you remember Halloween? She'd always, she'd have like a professional makeup artist and wigs, contact lenses and all that kind of stuff. I feel like in this world, as you're an adult, everyone's so serious. And here you get a chance to totally transform and be something totally different, you know? And why not do it as a family? Because it's a, such a fun family memory. Like we actually took our um our one of our years and we turned it into our Christmas card. Like we just put a little Christmas message, but it was all like, Wah. you know, but, yeah. but it, it's kind of fun because you have this for us, we never take family portraits. We don't have any Christmas card. Like we always only do a Halloween portrait. <laughs> I love it. It's such a good idea. Um, and I can't, we, we actually got all of our Halloween stuff out last night. I know it's early for everybody, but we were just like, it, it, we had one cold, kind of cold day here after it's been really hot. And so my husband was like, that's it. It's time for Halloween. And so we- Downstairs, we have like one of those spooky town things. So you know, like we got all of that out yesterday, and Um, we're ready. We're ready for Halloween. I love Halloween. I don't know why people don't get into it as much. I mean, I feel like you know. I know. I think everybody should go experience a Halloween in New York because it is totally different. The first time that I ever went and saw it, I was like, and because I've always loved Halloween, it's like my favorite holiday. I, I. And I just remember being on the subway and just being so smiley and happy and was just like, everyone's in costume and they are costumes are so good. And this is so fun. And they have this big parade and it's just wonderful. Yeah, they well, do the big parade. They do the big parade, and they put the Thriller song on. Every dances to that Michael Jackson song, and you know, just people are into it. And this, yeah, and I feel like you know, in the seriousness of the world and stuff like that, it's your one day to like totally be crazy and have fun with it. And, you know, and I save all my costumes because I repurpose all the things. So what used to be part of this costume, you can do it, you know, part of that and whatever. And you can find a lot of amazing stuff in thrift stores and just, you know, take your time with it. Like really kind of curate it and think about it and get into it. Like, let it be a joy. Don't let it be a chore. You know, yeah, I agree. Well, Judy, and I hate to say this, but we're out of time. <laughs> I know we could go on forever. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. It was great to talk to you. And um, I think you're an inspiration for everyone out there. And I just want you to keep doing what you're doing because you do such a great job. Oh, thank you so much. And you too, you too, <laughs> you keep it up. And I thank you for supporting all the women entrepreneurs out there. It always like I mean, I support all entrepreneurs, but women in general, you know, they need all the uplifting in life as possible. You know, we, yeah. 
you know, sisters and aunts and uncles, we know, you know, hooray for women. Because yes. the, world, the world would not be as successful if it were not for the women of the world. I agree. <laughs> All right. We record Missoni and Marshall weekly. You can listen to past episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Search for Meaningful Marketplace Podcast. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a suggestion on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. Until next week, we'll be back, everybody. Bye. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.